Did you know that the amount of revenue for B2B e-commerce is actually double that of B2C? There are a lot of misconceptions around e-commerce and how building product manufacturers can leverage it effectively to grow their sales. On today's episode, we bring on a guest who helps us dive into myths surrounding e-commerce and bring some great tactics to the table on how you can scale your online sales efforts. Now, I also want to let you know, if you stay till the end of the episode, I'll share my somewhat controversial thoughts on Amazon and what it means for every single manufacturer out there. Now with that, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am your host, Zach Williams, alongside my awesome co-host, Beth Popnikoloff. How's it going, Beth? How are you doing? Hey, I'm great, Zach. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited about today's show. We've got a little bit of a different format for you guys today. We've got an awesome guest with us. We've got Greg Wyman, who is the managing partner of Market Thrive. His company helps manufacturers in the building materials space grow revenue using e-commerce. And we've actually had Greg on the show before, and he was in a previous role, but we're very excited to have him back on as a guest with us. So welcome to the show again, Greg. Thanks, guys. Good to be back. And before we get going, congrats on hitting over 50 of these. Oh, thanks. I'm very impressed. Yes, that's great. I know how busy you guys are with the agency and, and home life. So again, very impressed at how many you've accumulated so far, and they're all good. Well, we're going to give you all the credit, Greg, because right. I think <laughs> <laughs> you did encourage us. No, I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah it's a yep, big, absolutely. Yeah, Wasn't it's a it big your idea to start drinking before every podcast? Uh, that might have been a suggestion. Yeah, that we took that to been. heart. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, well, I might be glad you didn't take, take No, full take context, Gre- Greg was like, hey, your content's really good. This is like in the first couple episodes. You guys should consider like just taking a drink though, because you're so <laughs> maybe, tense. Maybe loosen up. Just like a, <laughs> yeah, a little loosen up pill. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Which was so kind and nice of him. It could have been like, it could have been like, the, yes. It was accurate. <laughs> it was very accurate. So now we just drink all the time. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> So we're really excited about today's show. We're going to be talking about five e-commerce myths that are impacting building material sales. And what we've done is we asked Greg to come back on the show because e-commerce is an area that gets brought up a lot, but there's a lot of misconceptions that we thought would be valuable to, and this is Beth's favorite word, debunk. We're going to debunk those myths. (laughs) She actually hates that word. We're going to debunk them and talk through them. And specifically address how can you overcome them. And just full disclosure, this is not an episode where we're telling you over and over again that you need to be doing e-commerce. What we're trying to do is help you understand and navigate the most effective way to leverage e-commerce for your business. And so we thought since Greg does a lot of this kind of work and so do we, it'd be a great topic for us to cover. So why don't we just get straight into the episode, Greg, and maybe you can kick us off with the first myth that we want to touch on. Well, we talked a lot about, I think overall... There's clearly a lot of disruption happening in this space, and we hear that word a lot, but I think there's this idea that all that disruption is happening elsewhere and not necessarily in building materials. And there's this big myth that I think we all agree that we hear a lot is, ah, building materials, they're not sold online. They're not sold on Amazon. And I think there are so many reality proof points that say that just isn't the case. So we're tracking a lot of statistics, everything from the Department of Commerce who says it's growing 
almost 25% year over year from the previous stat. And then share of that overall, again, the Department of Commerce says it went from 8% total sales in home improvement and hardware online to 9.2% in 2017, which is the last public record that I can find of the category. And that's building products specifically? Is that right? Building products specifically on double-digit growth across so many different categories, from plumbing to millwork, fixtures, lighting, ceiling fans, bath fixtures, everything, you name it. They're all seeing this big double-digit growth. And I think as we go out and talk to different manufacturers out there, it might just be a bit of transformation and or we don't know what we don't know sort of approach. Perhaps, I don't know what your guys' take is there. Yeah, I think, you know, for the more consumer-based products and even the products that target, let's say, the contractor, I think that the old adage of like, oh, e-commerce won't work, like I think that that is dying a bit. But for the manufacturers that are really focused in the more commercial space, that's where I think there's the most opportunity. You know, like I was, I'm looking at a stat here right up on my screen that, that shows the amount of e-commerce across the globe. And B2B e-commerce is almost three times as much as B2C. And so like if you sell a commercial product, like let's say you sell commercial windows or you sell commercial cladding or something like that, or even you know anything a part of a building, you think like, oh, that's not, that's not possible. But like you're starting to see these e-commerce sites come on. Like Beth, I'm thinking about, and this is a little bit outside of building products, but like clippings. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. Clippings. If you're not familiar with it, it's a UK-based website that helps manufacturers of commercial design products, whether that's furniture or lighting or things of that nature, you can actually purchase those products right online if you're an interior designer and they help you with the fulfillment and, and all of that. Like Those types of things are springing up. And I think to your point, Greg, it's still for a lot of manufacturers an area that it's untapped, probably because they're a little afraid. But that's where the opportunity really lies is if you can get it in and be that player in your category you can probably start to take market share in a way that maybe your competition doesn't even know is, is available. I think that's the piece to focus on, Zach, that last piece of, you're right, probably nobody else in your product category is doing it, but everybody we talk to time and time again has just talked about how quickly things are shifting in the building materials industry, how the pace of change is increasing. So while this conversation was maybe about social media or websites or something else digitally inclined, five to 10 years ago, now it's about e-commerce. And those industries or those product categories that waited the longest lost out. So why not be the first in your product category to be selling online and take that market share, become the leader in that space instead of having to play catch up? Yeah, there's such a first mover advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Companies that, especially in a marketplace scenario where momentum builds, I I think your point is well made, Beth. If you can get in there, and again, not only are you going to get more sales velocity and momentum, but you're going to learn. You're going to start to evolve and do that whole first step in a transformation, which again, I think is a big part of this whole idea is how do you start to sort of digitally transform and evolve into what is a potentially a, a very big space for an organization to sell in? So, yeah, absolutely. And there's the myth around do building materials sell online, but then there's this next wave or next myth, if you will, I think around this idea that it's going to create such channel conflict if you 
if you go online. The traditional distribution is just going to basically walk away from us if we start selling. And Beth, I don't know what you think about that, if you're hearing that same thing in the market. From our perspective, this is the number one bump in the road that comes up when we start talking to companies who are considering selling direct online. Their first consideration is their dealers and distributor network and what that's going to do to their relationships. We know first and foremost, for anybody who sells through distributors, they are often referred to as their bread and butter. Like They need their distributor network, and we don't ever want to diminish that relationship or their importance. The last thing we would ever recommend is like, ah, don't worry about those guys. Essentially, what we've come to see through basically the sales data is rising tides lift all ships. Driving demand is good business for everybody. And even so many distributors and dealers are going online now. So maybe you're not having e-commerce on your site, but your distributors might be selling your products on their site. Or if they're not, they're definitely considering it because just as much as you're competing with Amazon, your distributors are competing with Amazon or other large e-commerce websites. So it's worth a conversation with them. And we have a lot of people who it's actually just worked out really well for all parties involved. Because again, driving demand is good business for everybody. And driving demand doesn't necessarily mean that all driven demand will go through your e-commerce channel you're actually going to end up driving additional demand to the dealer or distributor. And I guess the concern is always the opposite, right? That I'll be taking business away from them. But to date, we just have yet to actually see that come to light. Greg, I was thinking about a conversation you and I had a couple months ago about this, because there's a bunch of different ways you can tackle this. And I thought you had a really interesting idea. Maybe you could elaborate on this, but you know, potentially launching a side brand or sister brand to combat that channel conflict. Like I had never thought about that idea, but that's that's something you mentioned to me a couple months ago that I thought was a really interesting idea. Is that right? Yeah, I think it comes down to who is that audience online maybe versus who is shopping in traditional distribution. And if there's enough sort of demand that's different and or you know there is just such a concern of channel conflict, brand doesn't quite hold the same weight sometimes in the online space. The number one selling coffee online is in Starbucks. The number one battery, I don't believe, is one of the big two. It comes down to this idea where people may be a little bit more accepting online of a brand that's newer, as long as it has good reviews and has some powerful imagery and good experience in the product listing that helps people understand what they're buying. Greg, that's a really interesting perspective. I've actually haven't considered launching a second brand as a way to handle e-commerce, but that's a great idea. One complaint that we hear from manufacturers is that oftentimes the main leads that they get through their website is homeowners. Because as homeowners become more involved in the process, even if they have a builder or an architect, they're way more involved in the process. They kind of don't get that they're not allowed to talk to these guys (laughs) because that's not the case in a lot of industries. So what a great alternative. Just launch a homeowner-focused brand. You don't have to do anything. It's basically just a website and a shopping cart and like, boom, done. Just let them buy your products because dealers don't want to talk to homeowners. Could we have the same thing? Like our dealers are getting way too many homeowner leads. Like how can you guys help us? And we've got some ways to tweak ads and branding and messaging and blah, blah. Not what we're talking about today. But why let those homeowners go away or hope that those homeowners are just loud and noisy enough to convince their architect or builder to purchase your product 
why not stay close to the customer? Like Zach, you always say whoever's closest to the customer wins. Like just open a new brand so that you have the ability to stay close to that customer. This is genius, Greg. You basically just changed my life. <laughs> I think I'll it does. be stealing that idea and taking full credit. It, I mean, it comes back <laughs> to being creative, right? I mean, at some point you have to get a little bit creative in the space and be innovative. But at the same time, if you're already private labeling, which we know a lot of manufacturers do yeah. that, you're one step closer to the whole idea in the first place. So what can you do to maybe offer a slightly different spec? What's that audience want online that may be called a little more value-based, which seems to be more typical online, looking for that lower priced item, but you take a spec away. It's no different than what Whirlpool does in Home Depot versus high-end showroom. They're taking appliances down a notch or just a slightly different spec to really bring it to that specific target audience need. I think it just gets down to fear is like the big root issue of like distributors are afraid of what this means for their business and manufacturers are afraid of disrupting that relationship that could impact their bottom line. But if you can come to the table and get on the same side of the table and say, hey, this is how it's going to help, you know, essentially both parties and reassure that relationship, I'm sure that there's opportunity there to figure out how it can benefit everybody, right? That's great. Absolutely. So the next big myth in e-commerce for building materials is this idea that uh, if you put it online, it will sell, right? I mean, I think we've heard that one. Zach wants to say it so bad. He wants yeah. to say, he's like, just let him, just get, let him say it. I won't, I won't, I won't interrupt you. I'll keep going. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll stop. Now I have to hear it. <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm so cheesy. If you build it, they'll come. I knew right? it. I was reading uh, your mind. I knew that's what you wanted to say. It was just like. I mean, I can't, I can't help myself. What do you want me to do? <laughs> no. I see the PowerPoint slide already with to, the, you could, How could you resist that? Man, that thing wrote it. I was going to. I was, keep going, Greg. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm killing I'm you right sorry, now. I'm sorry, Greg. That was a great lead good. and you did a great job and I really Yes. Did. We've seen this where it's it's kind of a reactive, hey, we've got this on our website. Let's just throw it over to the online marketplace and it'll sell. That is very far from reality. I think there's strategic levers, levers, you know, that essentially have to be pulled to really drive growth. And if you do hit those points, then yes, growth happens and it may happen very, very fast. But it really comes down to this idea of making it almost more of a, a customer first organization. And I think a lot of manufacturers aren't used to that idea, but that's really what those levers are around e-commerce is speed, selection, and value to drive a great review, right? So where that really happens is starting at the top with this organizational sort of all in this together and transform how we operate to what's best for us, to what's really customer first. This point can't be staying up because I think one really big misconception, this is something we run into when we build an e-commerce site or build any e-commerce out, is like, oh, we just built it onto our site so people are going to buy. Instead of thinking through like, what is the acquisition process? How are we driving traffic? Is that site optimized? Are we working on conversion re-optimization? Like there's so many components. Like you think if you were going to launch a store like in your local town, you wouldn't just expect people to show up. You would find ways to get people to come into that store. You would work on how you're going to upsell people, how you're going to cross-sell them, how you're going to set up the store effectively to get as, as much out of it. And I think, great to your point, like it's a commitment. It's a commitment point. Like saying, I've got to commit to building the store out instead of just getting it online and getting it up. Like, how am I going to constantly improve it to make sure I'm selling as much as possible, right? Absolutely. Visibility doesn't happen by accident. I mean, that's what we know 
is controlled through performance, really, because customer-first organizations like Amazon, they don't want to give their customers a bad vendor. So they're going to make sure that the visible folks are those that are driving a good experience. And there are so many different levers that, that can be complicated, but I think it starts with this whole sort of digital experience and presenting content in a way that makes sense and then delivering on those key sort of expectations around speed, around a good product that's going to drive a great review, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what fuels this channel and additional growth. And some people I've seen, they do put something on, say, Lowe's or Depot.com and they get some moderate sales and they forecast based on those numbers. And I've just seen where they're not pulling the right levers. And it's like, gosh, you guys could be so much bigger than you are in this channel. You're just not dedicating the resources to really build that digital shelf, if you will, the product listing in a way that's going to convert sales. Which I think leads nicely to the next myth, which is e-commerce. It's just another sales channel. Like I like to think of like, you've got your traditional means of selling, like that's a channel. And then like, and then you've got e-commerce is almost a completely separate game. Like I would love to hear your perspective on this, Greg, but the thing we tend to hear is this oftentimes comes from somebody who is in that traditional sales role, like somebody who doesn't want to disrupt how they've always sold. Maybe it is because they're afraid or they just don't know online or e-commerce as well as they maybe feel comfortable with. And so they just go, oh, well, it's just another little part of our overall channel versus saying, goodness, like look at the ocean in front of us, right? Absolutely. I think it's it's that whole sort of toe in the water approach. And that just doesn't necessarily work in this channel. Everybody has to start small. I don't want to say that, but where I have seen success in this channel in e-commerce is when it is a top-down buy-in, when the CEO is driving the ship and really driving the organizational change with the C-suite, because that's what ends up happening to the organizations that really get this channel, that really commit to it and get the great results from it, is they break down all the silos of maybe what would be the traditional structure of a the sales department and or the organization itself. Not all sales guys are digitally focused. It comes down to a real understanding of the numbers game on top of the retail game on top of marketing. So it's this whole top-down approach that I think it really has to start with rather than just a salesperson. I think it's important to note here based on the last two things that we were just talking about the, you know, if you build it, they will come and it's just another sales channel. That's two important points for any material manufacturer in this space who maybe has tried e-commerce unsuccessfully. So to take an honest look at what was your strategy? How bought in, how all in were you? Did you really just think if there was a shopping cart on your website, people were going to put products in it and that was going to be the end? But to Zach and Greg's point, you know, like Greg, it's really important what you're saying about was the C-suite bought in? Was it clearly a priority and everybody in the company was driving behind it. Zach, like what you're saying, was there strategy behind it? Were they taking into consideration what's the user experience? How are we driving not just eyeballs, but actions? How are we re-engaging people after they make the purchase? It's not just for people who are considering trying e-commerce, but just because e-commerce failed doesn't mean it isn't a fit for your product. It might mean that your strategy or if we're being honest, your lack of strategy hurt you. 
Yep, that's great. Mic drop. Boom. And the final myth here, and this is something I feel very strongly about, but is somewhat, what's the word here, Beth? It's not a very popular opinion. Yeah, it's a little controversial. It's a little controversial. Jeff Bezos is going to come to get you. Well, no. What I believe is that many people think, and the myth is that many people think that if I sell on Amazon, that's enough. Or if I sell on Home Depot and maybe one or two other online stores, that's enough. And the reality is if you're only selling on Amazon or you're only selling, let's say on Home Depot or some sort of online e-commerce platform that is not your own, I believe you're basically just a glorified affiliate. Meaning you're just a product that's sold through their pla- that platform. Amazon is the one who owns the customer. They own the process. They own the distribution. They own everything. You're basically just selling your product through them. And one thing we've seen happen to other manufacturers and in other industries is that Amazon at any given day could potentially turn off your product. Like they could stop selling your brand tomorrow without any notice. And like that has happened to people. And so you may be selling millions through that platform and online may look like it's working really well for you. But if you're not finding ways to sell directly to the customer and own that experience on your own, you're missing out on the opportunity and you haven't really built the business model that is possible for you if you're only selling through one of those other parties. So I know that's not very popular, but I I believe that that is very true. And like, if you look at where the industry as a whole is headed, if you look at, you know, commerce, uh, you know, from a very global standpoint, like the companies that are winning are the ones that are trying to get directly to the customer, not trying to sell through someone else. I mean, look what's happening with TV. Like Disney is now offering TV directly to customers. And all the parents are having to shell out cash because it's going to work really well. Not not everybody is going to work. <laughs> like Disney is is its own beast. I mean, look at NBC. They own the the content. They own the office. They own friends. And so they're going to launch their own. And so that's why Netflix has been creating their own content. And so you as a manufacturer, you've got to find ways to own that experience, own that customer as much as possible and not just rely on third party or other websites to sell for you. Well, there's also roadblocks that come with those other websites they don't allow you to make just any optimization to your page that you want to. What if you roll out some really incredible product estimator? You can't just launch that on your Lowe's or Amazon page, but that would be really helpful to the customer experience within the e-commerce experience to know exactly how much product of yours they need to buy. Now they have to be on your website, engage with the estimator, and then leave your website, remember how much product they need to purchase, and go to a third-party affiliate. Now, we obviously are not saying you shouldn't be on homedepot.com or amazon.com. Jeff Bezos, we love you. But we are saying, to Zach's point, it may not be enough. Like, don't consider that box checked. I think there's the companies I've seen that are really doing this best are those that are on marketplaces for volume and learnings. I think there's a lot to be learned by the, the big guys, if you will, but then those that are selling direct to your guy's point. I think you take what you learn from the marketplace experience and the expectations and the organizational change, and then you own it specifically with a direct sales channel because then you own your data. You own the experience. That That's really important, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's so important. It's like, if you think about your store, like if you sell on your own website, the ability you have to track that customer and learn from that is incredible. But you've mentioned this as well. Like you can use data from Amazon and apply that to your own store. 
but you don't have the level of granularity that they have. Right. The flip side of that, again, why I always recommend both, obviously when in a general swipe, but I always recommend both because the exposure and the volume and the the reach that a, a Home Depot might have in remarketing budgets and just occupying the home improvement space in the consumer's mind, there is volume there that you're going to have trouble potentially reaching on your own direct site. However, when you build that momentum on your own site to understand what's working in marketplaces, you can apply that to work for you on your own site, right? I mean, I've seen some clients of mine that are just marketing machines and they're very niche focused on a particular product and they've either done direct very successfully and now they need to expand to the marketplaces to get that next level volume for a, a certain product or the other way around. They learned a ton over on the marketplace site and they said, wait a minute, we should be owning this just like the guys at Disney and everybody else probably. We should be owning this because long-term, that's where this is going to go. True. Well, Greg, this has been great. We really appreciate you coming on the show again. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Do you have an e-commerce store? Speaking of (laughs) e-commerce. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can go to our website, which is gomarketthrive.com, or you can look me up on LinkedIn, Greg Wyman, W-E-Y-M-A-N, not Wayman. But yeah, either way, Market Thrive is probably the best site to reach me. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap. If you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I am Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikola. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.